Good evening and welcome to NTD News. I'm Stephanie Cox. Here are today's top stories. The DA investigating Trump receives an envelope containing a strange white powder and a letter threatening to kill him. But he's staying quiet about the progress of his investigation. The House passes a bill to make it easier for parents to understand curricula and books in their children's schools. How Democrats and Republicans are responding to the bill. What's the U.S. doing to reduce its dependence on the Chinese Communist Party? The U.S. Trade Representative is in the hot seat to answer questions from lawmakers. President Biden meets with Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in Ottawa. Their announcement to crack down on illegal immigration and the two leaders' vision to counter Russia and China. And a doctor calls for transparency about the risks of the COVID-19 vaccine in light of the Moderna CEO's testimony and recently disclosed data about the rate of myocarditis in the military. The Manhattan District Attorney's Office received a threatening letter today containing a suspicious white powder. This comes as he remains silent about the status of his investigation of former President Trump. NTD's Arlene Richards has the latest. The Manhattan District Attorney's mailroom received an envelope on Friday containing a suspicious white powder. The envelope was addressed to DA Alvin Bragg and contained a letter threatening to kill him. The New York Police Department investigated the powder and found it didn't contain hazardous materials. No injuries were reported. Meanwhile, Bragg seems to have slowed down his hush money investigation since a Trump ally testified on Monday. Robert Costello said that Bragg's star witness, Michael Cohen, Trump's disgraced former attorney, is a serial liar. Bragg's general counsel reiterated in a letter on Thursday that the DA's office would inform the public on whether we conclude our work without bringing charges or move forward with an indictment. Bragg canceled two grand jury meetings this week and could possibly call another witness. But there's speculation that he won't go through with the indictment. On Friday, House GOP member Marjorie Taylor Greene took to social media in defense of Trump. She posted a January 2018 letter that appears to be signed by Stormy Daniels, the adult film actress at the center of the investigation. In the letter, Daniels says she didn't have an affair with Trump in 2006. Trump's former attorney, Michael Cohen, paid Daniels $130,000 ahead of the 2016 election. The DA is probing whether this was hush money on behalf of Trump. Daniels said in the letter that they both had denied the affair several times. Trump said in a Truth Social post on Friday that this is a false charge and it could be catastrophic for our country, causing potential death and destruction. As the Manhattan DA slows down, the DOJ's probe in the classified documents case heats up. Special Counsel Jack Smith on Friday questioned Trump's lawyer Evan Corcoran. When the DOJ first tried to subpoena for classified documents at Mar-a-Lago, Corcoran drafted a signed certificate. The certification claimed a diligent search had been conducted, which investigators said is false. This comes after an appeals court on Wednesday rejected efforts to keep Corcoran from testifying. Corcoran had previously asserted attorney-client privilege. Smith wants to know if Trump knew about the certification and approved it before it was provided to the government. Trump denies any wrongdoing. Arlene Richards, NTD News. And Cash Patel and Yandy Kalik sit down to talk about a possible Trump indictment on Cash's Corner. The first episode of season seven premieres tonight. 
Here's a sneak peek from the upcoming show. This grand jury has now heard from A, Michael Cohen, a convicted federal felon whose bias and animosity for the target of this investigation is well known, versus Costello, this career prosecutor, former federal prosecutor, now private attorney with an established record, no criminal history, representing some of the most high profile clients in New York State criminal history, um, comes out and says, swinging, literally says, the things that defeat any potential prosecution in my mind. Michael Cohen said, and I'm summarizing, he did this on his own, did this payment on his own. He did not notify President Trump about it, and he did it quietly to keep things quiet. And, the, the, and Costello provided documentation and emails to back that up that he, I'm guessing, took as a lawyer in live time notes with his client and, and other matters. What was shocking to me was not just that bit of testimony that completely contradicts what Michael Cohen has said, but that he held up a, a, a ream of paperwork that he said he gave to federal prosecutors and that he gave to this grand jury and that Alvin Bragg only used some six pages of hundreds of pages of documentation. Now, let's be clear. As a prosecutor, you are allowed to select your evidence. But as a prosecutor, you're not allowed to withhold evidence of innocence or something that might be damaging to your case to the grand jury you're presenting to. And that's essentially what Costello said. He said, why have you, the grand jury, not seen all of this information that I've testified about? I have it recorded. It's here for you to hold and read. That, to me, is, is a pretty... If it proves out that that's what actually happened is an abuse of prosecutorial powers and Alvin Bragg has now put himself in the crosshairs, though I don't think anyone's actually going to investigate him because it's New York, um, about prosecutorial misconduct. If you have information about a potential charge and you withhold it from the grand jury, that is illegal. Some people think that this whole thing was actually a distraction from bigger things, which you know, some of which we're going to talk gonna about to, later. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And they'll also delve into the developing relationships between China, Iran, Saudi Arabia, and Russia. You can watch the full episode tonight on Epic TV. It premieres at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And on Capitol Hill today, the Republican-led House passed a bill to shine a spotlight into classrooms across the nation. The bill addresses content in curricula and books, as well as the gender identification of minors. Here's NTD's Melina Wisecup with more details. GOP lawmakers are putting the nation's schools under the microscope, today passing a bill aiming to increase parental rights in the classroom. We watched just a short time ago that the Biden administration would go after parents if they went to school board meetings just to find out what was happening. We watched a father get arrested at a school board meeting when his daughter was attacked in a, in a bathroom. The bill requires schools to provide parents with a list of books and reading materials available in the school library. Other provisions include that curricula be publicly posted and schools alert parents of violent activity on school grounds. The bill also touches on the issue of gender identification, stating that any elementary and middle schools that receive federal funding must get permission from parents before changing a minor child's gender markers, pronouns, or preferred name on any school form, or allowing a child to go to the opposite sex locker rooms or bathrooms. 
Democrats are in unity in opposing this parent's bill of rights, even renaming it as the Politics Over Parents Act. Democrats say one issue that they take with the bill is that they say it lays the groundwork for censorship in the classroom. I asked Democrat leader Hakeem Jeffries to explain exactly what they mean by this. Take a look. If you could elaborate, please, on what exactly you're referring to. Yeah, I think the concern here is that what is being unleashed, that if anyone in any school has an objection to a book, even if it's in an objection to books about the Native American experience, books about civil rights, books about the Holocaust, and the book is removed from the school library. Allegations of book banning took up a large portion of the debate on the legislation. Republicans pushed back that the bill does not allow this while raising concerns over certain books with explicit content. It's a document stories on the LGBTQ youth. Uh, it's got very sexually explicit passages. I was sexually active for the time I was six. And I won't go on to say the other things that they have. Are you going to highlight these books? Parental rights, an issue that emerged during the COVID-19 pandemic, is now a key priority for Republicans ahead of the 2024 election. The bill faces an uncertain future in the Democrat-controlled Senate. Reporting in Washington, D.C., Melina Weiskup, NTD News. And staying on the Hill, the Chinese Communist Party's trade practices threaten the supply chains of American farmers and workers. So what is the U.S. doing to help American workers? The U.S. Trade Representative was in the hot seat today to answer tough questions from lawmakers. NTD's Jason Perry has those details. A country that cannot supply their own demand for food, energy and medicine, but must instead rely on other nations to fulfill those basic needs, they are no longer independent. On Friday, the Ways and Means Committee held a hearing to take a closer look at the Biden administration's trade policy agenda. Representative Ron Estes asked U.S. Trade Representative Catherine Tai what she is doing to counter the Chinese Communist Party's aggressive approach to trade, which both the Biden and Trump administrations called unfair. She said the U.S. is performing a comprehensive four-year review of certain actions taken by former President Trump in 2018. Trump increased tariffs on about two-thirds of U.S. imports from China because of unfair trade practices. For example, Chinese companies use technology from American companies that have pulled out of China. And the Chinese Communist Party, or CCP, isn't doing anything to stop the contract violations. And Representative Greg Stubbe brought up another issue. Well, it's not when they're when you're bringing in cichlids from China that then infect American citrus with canker and other diseases that then are a detriment from the health and safety and welfare of our groves. I, I don't understand why that's funny that you you think it's okay to allow the importation of Chinese citrus to the detriment of. Florida farmers and ranchers. So let's talk about this. We work very closely with USDA and APHIS, um, and um, uh, I think there's a conversation to be had, which I don't think needs to be um, uh, oppositional. Stubbe okay. then said well. the U.S. imports nearly 27 million tons of Chinese citrus, which he says is to the detriment of U.S. producers. Other than the review, Ty didn't give many details on how the U.S. is dealing with the CCP's trade practices, but said the U.S. is working with other countries as well, and that she's willing to meet with representatives to discuss further. Jason Perry, NTD News.
And in other China-related news, Mintz Group, an American corporate due diligence firm, said Chinese authorities closed their office in Beijing and detained five local staff. The New York-based Mintz Group said it had not received any official legal notice regarding a case against the company. The Mintz Group has more than 450 staff in 18 cities around the world. The firm offers a range of services, including due diligence checks, asset tracing, fraud investigations, corruption investigations, and background checks for corporate clients. The closure comes amid souring ties between the U.S. and China. And for more details on this story, be sure to tune in for China in Focus, coming up at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on NTD. And turning now to a deal on immigration. President Biden and Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced new steps to tackle illegal border crossings. The talks also come amid challenges on other fronts. NTD's Iris Tao has more. A warm welcome as leaders of U.S. and Canada hold talks in Ottawa. Two countries, in my view, sharing one heart. Addressing the Canadian Parliament, President Biden heralds close ties and announces a new deal on immigration at America's northern border. The announcement comes amid a surge of illegal crossings from the U.S. into Canada. These migrants will now be turned back into the U.S. The United States and Canada will work together to discourage unlawful border crossings and fully implement and the updated Safe Third Country Agreement. In exchange, Canada will take in 15,000 more migrants from South and Central America, an effort to ease pressure on the U.S. southern border. The two leaders also focused on countering China. That's after a Chinese spy balloon flew over both countries and as allegations of Chinese interference in Canadian elections are prompting investigations. With growing competition, including from an increasingly assertive China, there's no doubt why it matters that we turn to each other now. And a nod to the alliance to counter Beijing, as the parliament gave a standing ovation to two Canadian men detained in China for nearly three years. And we rallied our allies against arbitrary detention. And through that, with your support and your leadership, Mr. President, the rule of law prevailed. Meanwhile, President Biden, at a joint press conference, addresses ties between Russia and China, dismissing rising concerns that Beijing could be sending weapons to Russia. Look, I, I don't take China lightly. I don't take Russia lightly. But I think we vastly exaggerate. I've been, hear, I've been hearing now for the past three months about China is going to provide significant weapons to Russia, and they're going to... Well, I've been talking about that. And the U.S. is asking Canada to boost its defense funding. That says other U.S. allies, including the U.K., Australia and Japan, have all stepped up their defense budget amid rising threats from Moscow and Beijing. Reporting by Iris Tao, NTD News. And the Biden administration has ordered an airstrike in Syria against Iranian-affiliated facilities. This is after an Iranian attack on a U.S. facility in the country. U.S. officials said a suspected Iranian drone on Thursday killed an American contractor and wounded five U.S. service members in Syria. In response to the strike, President Biden authorized a precision airstrike in eastern Syria. It was against facilities used by groups affiliated with Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said, quote, We will take all necessary measures to defend our people and will always respond at a time and place of our choosing. Tensions between the U.S. and Iranian forces continue to rise following the airstrikes. 
Earlier this morning, 10 rockets targeted Green Village, a U.S. base in northeast Syria. And in health news, we now know that myocarditis cases spiked in the military in 2021, more than doubling compared to the baseline from years prior. Is this because of COVID or the COVID vaccine? And with the CEO of Moderna testifying before Congress on Wednesday, have Americans learned anything new? Joining us to discuss, a former advisor of the White House Coronavirus Task Force, Dr. Scott Atlas, who I spoke with earlier today. Dr. Scott Atlas, welcome to our show. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, thanks for having me. Now, how satisfied were you with the Moderna CEO's responses to lawmakers' concerns over adverse COVID vaccine reactions in the Senate Health Committee hearing? Well, I'm not satisfied. I don't think that uh, there was some there was enough transparency on the data. There is a clear problem with myocarditis after vaccination in young males. This was not only uh, not translated numerically or quantitatively, but it wasn't even acknowledged. I mean, this is well documented. And remember, this is an illness with a serious risk illness. Uh, from infection in young males, it is extraordinarily low. So any kind of problem with side effect is a huge uh, red flag. And so what do you think needs to happen now to get to the bottom of this issue and achieve full accountability here? Well, we've had a lot of uh, reports about myocarditis in the military after two doses. The timing of the myocarditis uh, coincides with the timing of the vaccine rather than infection. And we've had billions, literally billions of doses of the vaccine, yet we still do not have a very clear handle on the, on the significance and the risk of these side effects. So the answer is transparency. There is absolutely no reason at this point in time while we don't have a very detailed analysis of side effects. We need the transparency from the original clinical trial, by the way. We don't have that. Uh, and frankly, it's still very odd to me that we're in a emergency use authorization for a vaccine, which is experimental, for uh, you know a, a situation where there is no public health emergency. This just doesn't comport with facts. Now, new Twitter files show that Stanford University was involved in COVID information censorship. How do you see these files as someone who has worked both within a federal administration and is now within a unit of Stanford? Well, it's extremely important. I mean, there's nothing more important than transparency and the truth uh, in a free society, in an ethical society and then in a crisis situation. If we don't have transparency and honesty, uh, you know, we, we're not gonna have trust. And to get that, we as a free society need the free exchange of information. When you have a university, I mean, we look at Stanford, there's a huge problem at Stanford specifically, although not only. Stanford was uh, right out front in censuring me as an advisor to the president without stating any facts, of course. I was correct in every single thing I said. Stanford has been uh, really intimidating the free exchange of ideas, not just from me, but from others at my own institution, John Ioannidis, Jay Bhattacharya. Uh, you know, research has been, uh, at least, uh, there's been harassment, if not overt suppression of it. And now we have a situation where we have a university in collusion with the social media and with government. That's been re revealed by the Twitter files to not only censor the free exchange of ideas, but to actually block truth. 
on vaccine side effects. This is just totally unacceptable. And, you know, we're, we happen to be in a society that depends on billionaires, which is an odd situation now. Luckily, one of those billionaires, Elon Musk, is for transparency and freedom. Dr. Scott Atlas, senior fellow at Stanford's Hoover Institution and former advisor for the White House Coronavirus Task Force. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. And if you have any news tips or feedback for our show, you can email us at eveningnews at ntd.com. And coming up, in hockey news, a pair of NHL teammates and brothers cite their Christian beliefs in declining a team activity. Why Eric and Mark Stahl released a statement about their views. And an experience reaching into the spirit and soul. What theater goers are saying about their experience watching Shen Yun performing arts in California. That and more after the break. Now over to sports news. Here's NTD's Dave Martin with today's top stories. Thank you, Steph. March Madness continues tonight with four more games, including one with a Princeton squad that's this year's Cinderella story. The 15-seeded Tigers upset the two-seed Arizona in the opener and then handed Missouri a 15-point loss in round two to advance to their first regional semifinal since 1967. But look for their historic run to come to an end tonight at the hands of Creighton. Meanwhile, the first game, top-seeded Alabama versus San Diego State, is actually already underway for the SEC champs though to continue their run with another win tonight. Number one ranked Houston battles an underrated Miami squad in the second game. The Canes won the ACC and were a win away from the Final Four last year. Look for them to pull the upset. And finally, a tough Texas squad faces Xavier in the finale. The Longhorns have been hot recently, including a blowout win over Kansas and should make their first Elite Eight since 2008 with another win tonight. And in NHL news, two Florida Panthers players declined to wear LGBT-themed warm-up jerseys last night, citing their Christian beliefs. The players are brothers Eric and Mark Stahl, who released a statement saying, We carry no judgment on how people choose to live their lives and believe that all people should be welcome in all aspects of the game of hockey. Having said that, we feel that by us wearing a pride jersey, it goes against our Christian beliefs. And for the rest of your sports viewing schedule tonight, the NBA is a big night. Ten games on, including a Lakers-Thunder matchup with playoff implications on the line. The two are among nine squads fighting for seven postseason spots, yet separated by just three games in a clustered Western Conference. And finally, for you hockey fans, the NHL has three games on tonight, featuring the defending champion Colorado Avalanche looking to move up from their number six seed spot in the West, hosting the struggling Arizona Coyotes. And that's it for your sports news today. Steph, back to you. Thanks, Dave. A communication to the soul and the spirit. That's what a movie soundtrack singer is saying about Shen Yun performing arts. Why the performance makes him want to be an even better person. Let's hear more. Rick Rizzo is a studio singer. He sung on movie soundtracks including The Lion King and Shrek 2. On March 22nd, he went to see Shen Yun performing arts. 
being in entertainment for so many years, I know the difference about when a performance moves you, but when it goes beyond intellectual and it goes to the spirit and the soul and the heart, that's what I felt. I felt like I had embraced Chinese culture. And uh, it was like, so motivating for me to want to be even a better person that I try to be. The premier classical Chinese dance company just wrapped up three shows in Northridge, California. Rizzo noted the two-stringed instrument called an arhu. He said it really caught the attention of him and his wife. We were looking, kind of nudging each other silently, going like, wow, this is something that in all of our life, we've never experienced that kind of musical expression. It was almost like, because we're both professional singers, where there is that person that is just so, so much of a virtuoso that you, it's undeniable. You can just think we're in another dimension right now. So that's how we, we felt. Oh my goodness, they were just like, they, they touched my spirit. They were so transcendent. I just, it was amazing. You know, you have to be an actor to be a singer. You have to really be in touch with the emotions of a song. And there are times where you have to really dig deep. And I feel like that instrument, oh my goodness, it like really reaches into your heart. It reaches into your soul in the most tender, touching ways. On top of the Arhu, Rizzo said the coordination of the music and the dancing was flawless. This was beyond a good effort. This was, for me, about as close to perfection in terms of the art form and the marriage between the orchestral aspects and the actual dancing aspects and performing aspects. It was seamless, absolutely wonderful. He said he resonated with the spiritual message portrayed in the performance. My heart and my soul resonated to that message because I do believe that we do not here by happenstance, that we have a divine creator and that we carry that imprint uh, on our own souls and spirits. And uh, we let a lot of things get in the way. So to come back to that reminder was fabulous. Shengying's mission is to revive China's 5,000 years of traditional culture. Other patrons also applauded the traditional values in the programs. I think they're great. I think we're losing those. I mean, I look in all of the countries, I see the homogenization. So it's nice to see that continuity still there, the respect of elders, the respect for individuals, each other. And you see in different cultures, this respect is being lost. Shengying's tour continues in California and elsewhere in the U.S. NTD News, California. Shen Yun is coming to Lincoln Center in New York City in April and will be performing in the greater New York area for a month. Find your nearest performance at shenyun.com. And that's all for today's news. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Stephanie Cox. Good night.